Generations to Hunt podcast, where the goal is to learn together and further the culture of hunting. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Generations to Hunt podcast. Today it's uh, just me, no Joe, and the reason for that is because we are out in Kansas, but I do have a special guest, uh, one Dr. Mike Hemby, who we've talked a little bit about before, but now you guys get to kind of meet him again. So how are you doing today, Mike? Uh, doing great. Having a great time in Kansas. Uh, I've listened to every podcast episode and, and have uh, followed you guys through the journey, so it's really cool to get a chance to be a part of it. and talk about our trip here yeah it's been a wild ride i would have to say um this will be a two-part episode so like we're gonna have one today and we'll probably release another one in a couple weeks that uh i guess goes to the high part i won't get too much into it but the high part of our trip and then uh today we're gonna kind of talk about everything that led up to uh episode two really yeah this is hard i think for us a little bit because um, we're going to talk about the lows and the roughs and the struggles, but we are on an absolute high right now from the last <laughs> couple of days. Uh, so we'll probably leave you guys with a few teasers here, but uh, yeah. we'll do our best to make sure uh, that we save the good stuff for later once we get back and, and get uh, get back in Michigan with Joe. I promise if, if you guys listen to episode one, episode two is going to be insane. Blow your mind. Yes. Absolutely blow your <laughs> yeah, mind. For sure. So, Mike, just give uh, give the listeners a little bit of an introduction of kind of who you are and uh, how how this whole thing kind of got set up. Yeah. So, Mike Hemby. I grew up in mid-Michigan. Actually, um, Matt here, who I refer to as Minkus. I don't even know why we call him Minkus. So, you're <laughs> going to hear me interchangeably. I hear people call him Matt, and I, I don't even know who they're talking about. So, uh, if you hear me say Minkus, he grew up with uh, my brothers, really, a few years younger than me. Um, two of my brothers were in his wedding. Uh, one of yep. them, I think, was your best man. Even, yeah, Brady right? was my best man. And uh, and you guys just grew up together. So, early, early on, um, again, from mid-Michigan, did my undergrad and my doctorate degree there at Central Michigan, and then shortly after that moved to um, moved on to Georgia for work. Uh, I'm not a fancy doctor. I'm a, I'm a physical <laughs> therapist, but it is a doctorate degree. Uh, but if you hear Minkus refer to me as uh, Dr. Mike, it's not a wildlife biology degree or a marine <laughs> science degree. I work at healthcare. Um, so yeah, I grew up hunting mostly in Michigan, mostly private land, and um, never really uh, shot any big bucks. I, I didn't have someone, to be honest, that um, was setting the expectation for those things. It was about being out there with friends and family and putting some meat in the freezer. So honestly, until a couple of years ago, my 10 prior years of hunting were, you know, if I saw a buck, it was great. If I got a shot at it, awesome. But I didn't get my first ar- first archery kill until I bought that property in Corona like two and a half years ago. With that, yeah, that, and you that, shot the doe, right? I shot that doe, um, you know, about fifteen yards just off my right side there, and I'm a left-handed shot, so it worked pretty well. So, do you think that was uh, like you waited all that time? Like you were pretty hooked after that. Oh, I was absolutely hooked. I'd I'd had a bow for a while. Uh, and I was shooting an old Martin that I probably had for 12 years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the first ever arrow I s- slung at an animal. You're one, you did much better than I did when I started out because yeah. I, I um, flung a bunch before I got one. And that was the first year that I ever took up off, off a piece of property that I owned. So yeah, even so. though it was a doe, uh, it was just a great experience. So Yeah, that was uh, – I mean, 
when you bought that property, I mean, we'll kind of talk about this for just a minute, but yeah, uh, so far you've had the property for a couple of years, but, uh, the first for that property were kind of cool for all of us. Cause, uh, so I got the first deer. I shot a nice doe one day. You got your first archery kill. You shot the first buck out there. Uh, Which was my first buck with a bow. Yeah. My biggest buck ever, the first buck off my property. Yeah, that was pretty cool. To yeah. be a part of Yeah, I got to be a part of that. That was that was a lot of fun. And That's then, a busy uh, morning. Yeah, because that was the day I shot the seven point, and we tracked forever that I ended up shooting a month later, like almost two months later in, in gun season. In gun yeah. season. And then um, last year... Which was the same year you shot your buck. Uh, you know, I got that seven point, and then I shot that real nice eight point out there. So uh, it's it's been quite an adventure out there. So to give you guys a little more background on my hunting history, to give you some perspective, I um, you know, I was the guy that would just go in the woods and sit in a stand and not pay attention to wind, to thermals, to deer sign. I would just go to a stand that like, ah, oh, this seems like a good spot and it's okay and. Uh, it really wasn't until the last year and a half spending more time with you and talking through that. But um, I've had a chance when living in Georgia to hunt some, uh, they call it WMA there, wildlife management area, um, hunt some public land in Georgia, killed a doe there. Um, I've hunted quite a bit of public land in North Carolina and I've had a chance to see some bobcat, some bear, a lot of deer. You saw 130 I had on camera for yeah, some you, public it land is always there. It's nice when Mike sends us trail cameras from North Carolina because it's a mixed bag of animals. It's yeah. all kinds of things. Uh, I was actually on a hunt there and uh, had a small like button buck in front of me, a yearling buck, and watched a bobcat from 40 yards away come in and stalk that. It's wild. That's probably for another time. <laughs> uh, I've had a chance to hunt some some private farmland, cattle farm in Virginia. Uh, but the only trip I've actually taken prior to our Kansas trip, uh, I was living in most of those areas when I hunted that, was uh, five years ago I did a caribou hunting trip up in Quebec got a cow and a bull up there went up with my brother-in-law and father-in-law uh and this is the this is the first trip since then and it's uh it has had some ups and downs it has been a roller coaster it's been it's it, that's a, i don't know how to explain other than an absolute roller coaster of emotions and just trials and tribulations i can guarantee you i've never worked this hard on a hunting trip uh, in my life never no this never. has been crazy like so how this kind of all got started was Last year during opening day gun, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. So it was super windy. The yeah. weather was just complete shit. And you and I decided <laughs> to sit together in a box blind that we built that's like 14 feet off the ground. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't see any deer. For two days in a row. For two For days in a row. Daylight to dark, two days in a row. We just sat and, and we, we seen deer, but nothing. We seen a bunch of does yep. and a couple of small bucks. We just sat there and ate snacks with the heater on in the, in the, in the box <laughs> yeah. blind that's like 14 feet off the ground. We watched the Lions game. Yeah. Like we watched a, a movie. Guys, this is not uh, this is not how you should be hunting, and probably the smartest way to hunt. But it was it was like straight line winds, miserably yeah, cold. I think it, it was, was raining that day. It was not. I, there was uh, no way I was sitting in a tree stand. Uh, so we were just talking about, man, it'd be cool to do this or do that. You were telling me about your trips to Ohio, and I was like, let's go, like yeah. let's do this, like Lee up. And then we asked. So we had two other guys here with us, but they had to uh, they had to leave early um, a couple days ago, and. Um, we actually asked, so one of them was uh, Mike's brother, Matt. Um, we actually asked him 
And he said no the first time. He was like, why do I want to spend that money? I can hunt here. Like, that's just that just seems dumb. Yeah, and then, well, it was like a week or so later, he texted you, and he's like, I'm in. And then he got his buddy, and they came down. Yeah, and I think their expectations were different, right? You're, you and I, when we decided on this trip, were like, look, we know this is going to be a learning experience. Because yeah. I've hunted a lot of different states, and you've hunted some other states, and the landscape, and the terrain. And, and we thought about this trip as a chance to learn. And maybe not have success, but we'll know better for next year. And yeah. I think their expectations were what? I mean, come down and hang out with some. It was more of a deer camp. Expectation, yeah, yeah, I think, for sure. I still think they fun. They definitely had some fun, um, but the uh, they it wasn't quite what they expected. Um, and I would say the first couple of days were not what we expected. Well, yeah, I, th- I think when we'll talk about that when we get into our day one scouting and the phone call that they gave us, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so we we had four people here, and um, so we decided on opening day that we wanted to do this, and then it came up actually at um, my family does like I don't know if it was family Christmas or Thanksgiving, but my wife and your wife were there, and your wife brought it up, and I hadn't yet completely got my wife to sign off on it, <laughs> uh, so I got a little scowl, and we talked about it, and uh, we ended up planning this what is essentially. 11 and a half days of hunting well, we, and three days of travel. Yep, because we left October 31st, and uh, we'll get back to – you'll get back to North Carolina November 14th, yep. and I'll get back to Michigan on November 14th. Yep, exactly. So um, we planned that, and then we, we, we put in tags. We put in for the draw because Kansas is a draw state. We did that early April. Yep, we put um because I, I yeah I got everything set up and then you guys just put in the group ID and then you it was you like, want to talk about how people can submit for Kansas tags and the group ID and, and how that works a little yeah, bit yeah we could definitely go so I don't for know people the, that want to take yeah, some out of state hunts I don't exactly know the exact dates but uh, it's early April yeah for sure. so you just go on their website and they'll have like you'll be it, their website's pretty easy to navigate which is nice because i don't know if you've ever looked at other states but some of them are absolutely insane to navigate mm-hmm. through um and you'll just get on there and so generally you'll have one person put in all everything you want your unit your time um, archery either sex because you, know, you essentially created a group for us yep and then all i had to get on to say here's the group number that um matt created i just tagged on it and then if one person gets it the whole group gets it. right so that's one thing so if you're going to do this i would recommend going in a group not only is it more fun but your chances of drawing are a little bit higher because so you can have up to four you can have four people in a well, group with the uh, you'll hear later but uh these deer are big you're gonna need a buddy to help you drag this out of the woods anyway yeah. if you come here by yourself it's gonna be a rough dread if it's a rough day i'll tell you that yeah you're gonna be if you have you get a deer here by yourself good luck yeah uh, i'll tell you that well you better have a deer cart something because you can't so all the land down here is walking so it's not like you can just drive a quad back there or take your truck back there because actually the signs prohibit motor vehicles yeah <laughs> yeah so um, I mean, it's, it, it wasn't too hard. I was just, so you're just going to, one person's going to set everything up and then it'll give you a, a group ID number and you'll just send that to whoever else is going to apply with you. And, uh, then it was like June, I think when we found out, yeah, right? we got our, we got tags in the mail and got an email yeah. and then from June until this trip. It was uh, it was a lot of foreplay essentially things that get you excited but you're not re- ready to yeah. kind of get done with it. <laughs> yeah. So we had we had months and months of foreplay, and, and my wife will tell you that um, she's like, I've not seen you watch so many hunting videos, yeah, of this and that. But I think it helped, right? I think all the research helped us to better understand the terrain we were getting into, manage yep. our expectations, 
And for me, honestly, it, it helped me to sophisticate my hunting strategy of not just go sit somewhere, but where to move, how to play the wind, how to play thermals. I spent a bunch of money on a bunch of new stuff that yeah. I didn't have before, <laughs> yeah. uh, which was helpful. Some was, some wasn't. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about um, it was our first time using a decoy, and we had some cool success with it. I got some recordings of some small yep. bucks messing with it. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of research went into not just looking for property and Weehaw on these maps, but um, learning how to hunt Kansas. Yeah. Because it's way different than the timber and ag that we're used to in Michigan. Yeah. Well, so even the Weehaw. So Weehaw, if I know anybody who's listening has listened to me talk about it. It's uh, public it's private land that's leased by the state that uh, allows for public use, but you can only walk in on it. But Weehaw stands for walk-in hunting area. Yep. Um, and it's only bow hunting for deer and gun shotgun hunting for game birds. Yeah, well, it varies. So they have some places that you can use, like uh, like the rules vary. So some places are archery and shot shell only. Okay. Some allow rifle. Um, we didn't mo- – I would say almost all. Every single one of them allows archery hunting, so yes. you don't have to worry about that if you're coming down here to bow hunt. But um, one thing we ran into was we expected the um, we so the Weha map updates every year, and we were told it would get updated in August. It didn't get updated until like mid September. Yeah. So we were kind of like we spent a bunch of time e scouting land that we that never ended up being Weha. Yeah. And something that we thought was we had until we got here and went to go walk in on it and it had been leased and was now <laughs> yeah. uh, private. Yep. So um, we spent, I don't know how many hours you spent. I spent so many hours. I actually, so on, if, if any of you have hunt stand, you can actually take a, a draw feature. And I actually took the time because, so Onyx has the units, but it's really hard to see the property because it's like covered in these red yeah, dots. Yeah, they, they shade the area so you know yeah. what it is, but it makes it hard to see the terrain. So I actually took the time and measured our entire hunt area out because you only get units. You don't get the whole state. Measured the whole hunt area out and then tracked all the Weeha and that. And mm-hmm. man, I looked, I don't know how many times I looked at that map. All the time. Yeah. All the time. And I dropped some pins in some places that I thought would be good hunting areas. In some places that we thought, we'll talk about our scouting, but there were so many places that I thought were going to be great, and we get there, and we were like, there's no way. And there was and a couple places, places we didn't expect. And we yeah. drove up on, and we're like, how did we miss this? Because yeah. this is the, the main yeah. terrain. Yeah, for sure. So so uh, I'm, I'm the one that convinced Minkus here, Matt, to uh, fly through Atlanta to North Carolina <laughs> so I didn't have to drive 18 hours by myself. And for work, I travel quite a bit. Um, and I had a bunch of flight points, so I was able to use those points to fly him down so uh, I didn't have to be alone for my uh, 18 hours of a car ride. Our car ride was – so I, I woke up at 5.30. Well, you woke up at 6 a.m. on the yeah, 31st, yeah, yeah. and I flew out of Detroit to Atlanta, Georgia, which, guys, I don't travel often. the busiest often. airport in the world. And so I'm calling Mike, like, what do I do when I get here? And so he's, like, giving me directions on how to navigate through an airport. And then uh, so I drive into Atlanta, and I got into North Carolina about, what, one or two? Yeah, you flew into Asheville, North Carolina, which is where I live, in, like, yeah. the Appalachian Mountains there. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Like, I'd never seen a mountain until I flew in. And then we actually went trick-or-treating with uh, – 
Mike, his wife, and his two daughters. This is great. So my, uh, <laughs> my, my two daughters were dressed up. One was Rapunzel, and the other one was Ariel. So I have a redhead. And my wife ordered Matt here a, um, a lobster costume. A so he Sebastian. was Sebastian the Lobster from The Little Mermaid. It's great. We'll have to, post, we'll have to get Joe to post some of those pictures because <laughs> yeah. that was uh, – it was really good, which gave us a little bit of candy for our trip too. That so we, we didn't even we, bring. We didn't even bring it. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was my thing. Before we left, I wanted to make sure that I didn't miss trick-or-treating with the family and the kids. So we did that and left at like 5.30 or 6 p.m. Eastern time and um, – yeah, we had plans to sleep. Like, we would alternate drivers and sleep. Yeah, Let me tell work. you, that didn't happen. No. So, Mike did drive three quarters of the way, and I tried to, like, take a nap, and then we'd get talking, and I'd drink well, a bunch of... We were listening to some other podcasts, some yeah, other podcasts, too. and then we'd drink a bunch of Red Bull, and it didn't seem like it was 18 hours. It went by pretty quick. Well, we didn't think we were going to get into Kansas until 2 or 3 p.m. the next day. Yeah. So, we thought we were going to be rushed on scouting. We ended up getting into our unit by, like... Before lunchtime, like 10 or 11 o'clock. Yeah, like 10. Um, so we actually ended up able to get a lot more scouting in that first day than we thought we would. Yeah, and then now we get to revisit the phone call from Matt and his buddy Tyler. So a little prelude to this. So uh, this summer we did try to get with them, and we were like, hey, guys, like this is kind of what's going on. and It's going to be different. Yeah, and they, you know, we tried to explain the landscape. So the landscape in Kansas is being – generous nothing like <laughs> i've never seen so many dirt roads if, if you get out your spotting scope or binos you can see for miles yeah not see a house not see a car the only in the area that we were in the only roads that were paved were the main roads like what you mm -hmm. would consider to be like a main interstate yeah right? um in owasso or shiawassee county we're talking the only roads that are paved are like 52 m21 yep I-69 and I-75. Everything else is just dirt roads. Now, they take great care of them. Yes, they do. Uh, but it is just rolling hills with deep cuts, a lot of grass. We learned about some new agriculture that we're not used to. We yeah. saw a bunch of Milo, which was cool. Um, and it is just very different. We're used to like – We're used to ag – and then there being like a 30-acre like square section of woods that the farmers left when they were you know making these fields. And the only woods around here – are these deep creek bottoms deep and deep i mean i mean 20 30 foot straight drop off you're not climbing down these creek bottoms unless you're you and i which, well we did yeah right we, we figured it out and um so the only trees that are really growing for the most part are in these deep cuts yeah. and um they're probably you know 20 to 30 yards maybe on both sides of that so the creek so when we're when we're east scouting, we're looking for water and then just trying to find trees that are big enough. Yeah, the east scouting was actually, I would say it wasn't difficult because you either had wide open field, which yeah. I'm not hunting. We're just looking for any woods. Any yes, timber. or woods. And we when just, I say woods, I mean like a fence row that is along a creek bed. Yes, that's a hundred percent it. And so then we just did that. But when we got into Kansas, Matt and Tyler had beat us by about two hours and. Mm -hmm. uh, they gave us a call, and they were like, what in the hell are we going to hunt out here? How are we going to hunt these deer? Well, they they'd went to like three places for Weeha, right? <laughs> yeah. All the Weeha, it was just wide open rolling hills. And they're like, guys, what are we going to do? Because a week before, they were like, should we bring our climbers? And we're like, no, don't bring your climbers. <laughs> there are no straight trees. You're no. not going to use a climber. No. Um, so they call us, and it, you could almost hear – a little bit of panic in their voice. Yeah, like I spent 550 bucks, and what am I going to do yeah. now? Yeah. Like, I don't know where these deer live. 
Yeah. I don't know where they're going to be. There's no trees. But then I think the fourth or fifth property they went to. They found they did find a they good found a spot. great piece of property. Yeah, they did. Because um, we ended up hunting it for a couple of days. It was like because four or five hundred acres. No, it was like yeah, it was like I think five six. It was big. Yeah. It was huge, and uh, a large creek that went through it. A deep creek with like deep actual water in it. Some of yeah. these creek beds are empty, but this one had water in it, which was a pain to cross. Yeah, we. Times. Yeah, the option was cross it or walk eight miles, and we or chose hunt to, area that was just way overpressured. Yep, but uh, yeah, so they thankfully they did find a good spot. But then we got in and we didn't even stop. We just literally got to our area and just started looking for places to scout. And the first place we looked at, this was interesting. So first place we looked at, we walked in. There wasn't a ton of sign. So there, there was. Uh, we saw a few scrapes and a few rubs. Yeah. But it wasn't like the there other. There was a prob- lot of cattle sign. This was this was really hard for us because yeah. these creek beds, because these cattle graze everywhere, and they're. I mean, it looks like these cows just stomped through the riverbed, so you can't see tracks at all. Yeah, we actually found a couple uh, carcasses. Yep, it, of, of I think dead cattle. Every wee how we went and had some form of cattle sign. Just about everyone. Yeah, maybe except the the one uh, Matt and Tyler were on. That one, and then the one that we pulled your stand from this morning, maybe. Yep, you're right. I don't think there's any cattle sign on there. Um, yeah, so the first place, um, we saw some sign, and more sign that I would typically see on any property in Michigan. Yeah. And we scouted it a little bit. Yeah, we and, got jacked um, up when we walked in there. It was a good option. But the cool part is we got back to the road, and, and why don't you talk about we're driving down this road. That's, we parked on the, on the side of this field. Yeah, there's not places to like. There's not like like so. If you hunt public land in Michigan, they have the pull-ins. Yeah, they don't have that here. Yeah. You just pull off on the side of the road, yeah, and sometimes you can't even do that because the ditch is too deep. So you're like in the road. So we are getting worried. We're walking back to the car, and we see this road grader driving by, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh shit, my truck's gonna be in the way. He's gonna be all pissed. Well, he ended up stopping like a mile up the road. So we drive up to him and roll down the window. And why don't you tell him? Because he was showing you all these pictures. And yeah. These big so bucks we get taken off that property that we were just looking at. Yeah. So he ends up. He he stops and Mike's like, do you, do you think this guy wants to talk to us? So we pull up. I don't know if he's going to be pissed at us because we're yeah. out of state. I got a I got a University of Michigan sticker in my back window and a North Carolina <laughs> uh, license plate. So I wait for him to like light me up. Yeah, but he's like, uh, he's he was super cool. He was like, you guys see anything? No. And then immediately he's like, oh yeah, like you know, there's a couple deer taken off of here and, um, and he starts showing us pictures of like yeah. 150s. Yeah, a couple of 150s. One had to have been almost 170 that was taken right off the property we like just got done before yeah we just got yeah. done scouting and um by a couple of other guys from michigan we didn't know who they were yeah. but he was like yeah these guys are from michigan I thought, too i forgot that they were from michigan yeah right. so that was literally our introduction to kansas and he did say there's one monster left that yeah. we know of for sure that hasn't been taken and we're like oh baby i will tell go. you we did not put out i don't think we put eyes on that deal but it i'll be honest well, we never even hunted that spot Right, yeah, we never hunted that spot. We hunted semi-close to yeah. it. Um, then we went to another spot that we found sheer accident. We were just driving by, and we were like, wow, this looks semi-decent. And we walked in, and we kicked up a little two-year-old eight-point. Yep, and he stood there for what oh, felt like man. 45 seconds we and 30 yards just looking right at us. We could have dumped this deer easy. Yeah. Like, it would have been no problem. Um then that property had a lot of signs. Yes, like there was. So they had this like random fence that was set up. It was and like a cattle, cattle fence, like yeah. barbed wire cattle fence. And these deer, like every post was rubbed because it was a wooden post. They just rubbed raw. Just yeah, every single it's one. It's like um, 
a four by four fence post that goes in the yeah, ground. Yeah, they're uh, it's more like circle shaped than a square post like we're used to in Michigan. But um, it was every one of them, like ten posts in a row, were rubbed raw, mm-hmm. um, and you could almost see like the shape of the post was changing. Yes, yeah, I've never seen that. Before. That was really cool. You got some pictures of that too, which yep. would be cool. You guys yeah. will have to put that on the Facebook page. Um, and that's actually the property I hunted the first morning, my first hunt. Yep, and then I went down the road, and this was our first introduction to Kansas roads. So we go down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we go down the road, and we see a sign that says May flood, and we get to the bottom of this hill, and the road like. There's no water either side. It hadn't the, rained there in weeks. Yeah, but the road had standing water. Yeah, in it. it was like a high water table in that area. Yeah. Like a load spot. And you can tell people have been stuck there. <laughs> yeah. And guys, I'm driving a, a three-quarter ton, 6.6 liter diesel Silverado. I, I mean, it's a, it's a heavy truck. And I'm like, I don't think we we're should out go here by that. ourselves. Like, we cannot drive through that. Yeah, and I, what we didn't realize at the time, so when Mike pulled up, he backed up, and when we parked the truck, there was like half an inch of mud on his tires. Oh, yeah. From, and he didn't even – he was still 30 yards away from the uh-huh. actual mud hole. But then we go into that property. We kick up a doe. Kick up a doe. In the first creek we cross. And then there was a decent amount of sign there. That's where I sat the first day. Uh, yep. That's, was where a, that's where you sat, sat the last day before our adventure really started. Yeah. yeah. That's where we just put um, the from. And then a that, of, there's a lot of sign there. Yep, it was just a, it's a tall CRP with a dried up creek bed. And that's actually where we found our milk. We we uh, we you guys it's, talked about some milkweed before. Yeah, we came across some milkweed. We, some, so we got a couple some uh, wild Ziploc bags wild of milkweed. Not, now that we found not store bought milkweed. Yeah, I, we found I, some. Uh, I am the guy that they've referenced that purchased the milkweed on Amazon. Uh, but I'll tell you what, if we wouldn't have found it, I would have been the only one that was able to assess thermals. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah that was that was a good time there. So then we left that property. I don't, we didn't check anything else out no, that we, day. At that point, we'd seen enough sign on the three properties. We said, okay, we know we have a spot to hunt some And we were exhausted. Well, yeah, we had an hour and a half of sleep in the prior, like, 36 hours. <laughs> yeah. So it was just nuts. So we got back, met up with the guys at camp, and they had found a bunch of sign at the property they went to. So yep. then uh, November 2nd was day one of hunting. and uh, it, was, it ended up being more sitting than hunting, but yes. Yes. Well, we didn't even hunt the whole day. So We hunted the morning at we, the two properties. We, we hunted at. the morning, and it started to rain and oh, sleet right. and um we we were not about it so we got down now mind you i dropped mike off took his truck to my spot because of the low flooding i was like oh i just won't pull up farther well while <laughs> i'm hunting and it is raining the road grader road grates that part of the road i'm on so when i come and meet mike he's got two inches of mud on his uh running boards i mean it was it was everywhere it looked like you went through a disc up field (laughs) in the mud and guys if you've never driven on dirt roads here because it's weird because it's it's like topsoil almost but it's also got this like clay undertone and what happens is again we both grew up in michigan so we're used to driving in snow and ice it's a four-wheel drive vehicle and we could not drive more than about 10, 15 miles an hour because when that mud got wet, 
we were it's like we were driving on solid ice yeah the first day when it rained we got out soon enough that we didn't really realize it at the time but right. i remember telling you when i was on that specific road i said it's slick but it got even worse like the so next we, we called one of your buddies to tell him about our hunt and he yeah. said hey when those roads get wet be careful <laughs> and boy was he right yeah i've never seen anything like this like it's i mean you could at one point i remember being when i was driving your truck the steering wheel completely sideways to go straight because the mud kept wanting to pull me into the ditch. Yeah. Well, it's like, almost like hitting a snow drift and it pulls you in. Yeah. It's almost like what it was. Yeah. It and was, we dealt with that wild. for three days, I think. Yeah, that we just didn't come out. It rained for like something like almost 30 hours straight. Yeah, like it was, it was a, a lot. It, was, it wasn't, I wouldn't say this is a downpour. Like it was a, a steady, almost sprinkle slash a little bit of a rain. But it was like, it didn't stop. We are missing an education point. Because that first night we got here, we also said, you know what? Our bows have been in the car for a long time. Oh, Let's go shoot our bows. I brought a broadhead target just to make sure. And we're lucky we did that. Why don't you tell your story? Yeah, like, so when you go on any hunting trip or when you're preparing for your season, you need to make sure you are shooting your bow or gun again once you get to yeah, your destination. Yeah, if you're traveling a long distance, 100%. Because we did, so we did go to the other unit and we looked at one property and it was it was pressured. So we pulled off on a piece of Weeha and shot our bows. Everyone else's was on, mine was off, and I was like, "What is going on?" Yeah. Well, then and you've done more preparation with your archery equipment than anyone else ever has. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, "What is what is this?" And I happened to grab my sight and it moves. And I got really lucky because all it was is, um, thankfully, my sight has two lines, and if they like match up to be level, so all I had to do was match them up and tighten them down. So while it was in the truck, because he dropped this off with my brother in, in yeah. Owasso or Oakley, I think the vibration from the 18-hour trip loosened yeah. up the screws a little bit, and it just started moving. And you yeah. were a good like what eight inches oh, low? Well, it was until it, you fixed the sight. It, it was high. Was super high. high yeah yeah and i was like man so thankfully all i did was line those up tighten it down and i was able to get right back right. on but if i wouldn't have shot moral man. of the story you need to shoot your bow after a trip or a gun because mm -hmm. you don't know what's going to happen during travel yeah and you need to make sure you bring the proper equipment to do that yep yeah have you yeah because that could have been costly because if that would have happened on a 150 day one I'd have been furious. We didn't see any deer for the first five days, which yeah. we get to, but... Yeah, so I mean, yeah, 100%. I'm so glad you brought that up because I kind of forgot about it a little bit. But yeah, 100%. If you are taking a long travel, and I mean, if I say long travel, I'm talking a couple hours, Michigan to Ohio, something like that, take 10 minutes and make sure that your stuff is on because it's not only going to save you frustration later, it could save you it from could, putting... It could save a, a bad shot on an animal that yeah. deserves... Um, you know, we um, we get the privilege of, of hunting and harvesting these animals, and we owe it to them to make sure our equipment's functioning like it should so we can take a good shot and and be responsible in what we're doing. For sure, yep. So day one in Kansas, I see nothing. You see nothing. Matt and Tyler did see a couple deer. Yeah, they saw a half rack, a spike, and a few does. Yep. So optimism was pretty high at this point. Yeah. Like, you know, it's day one. We're all happy. Day two, we thought we didn't see anything because we were stomping around in there, and we had our scent and and, and yep. human scent in there from the day before. So like, okay, we'll let it. The rain should wash all that out. We should be good to go. Yep, because we went into where Tyler and Matt were, just way away from them that night of day one of hunting, 
and found some spots. Yeah, and we hung our stands that night. Hung our stands. And across that gosh darn river. Yeah, and I did – this happened to me on two occasions. So unwilling or unknowingly set my stand within 60 yards of – someone twice on this trip and we wouldn't have known it unless we would have went down to that riverbank and we stumbled across that old stand yep and thankfully like the guy didn't come out so i was able to get it moved before i had that but yes we set our stands in a different spot night one which i wouldn't say was the wrong move but based on hindsight i would say if you're coming to kansas specifically which is going to contradict a lot of the information i would give it a day or two yeah, we probably should have stayed at the properties we were at for another for two or three sits before we moved. I think that the reason we did it is it was so much closer. It was like the spots we looked at day one that we hunted day one of hunting. So what are the yeah. November seconds? We're almost an hour away. Yeah, and this spot was twenty minutes. It's in the same area my brother and our other friend was hunting. Uh, it allowed us to do it together a little bit, and um, it was a good sign. Well, that property had more sign, sign than I have ever seen in my life. There was multiple large community scrapes. How big was that one scrape you That's, saw? I would say... Five feet? Yeah. Like a five-foot-by-five-foot five section of a scrape, and it's getting hit regularly. Yep. Rubs everywhere. Massive scrapes rubs everywhere. everywhere. Fresh scrapes. Scrapes everywhere. So we hunt this property, two full-day sits... And then another half day sit. And then it gets to be like 80 degrees. Well, one thing. So the main reason we went over even in that area to start was because we were going to look at another piece of Weeha. Oh, yeah. So we get over there. And so I'm using Hunt Stand. Hunt Stand is saying this property is Weeha. And we get up to it. And I'm like, this is where it should be. And it's got no trespassing signs. And we're like, what the heck? And this is like some prime property that we've been looking at for months. Yeah, like this, it it doesn't surprise me that it got leased. Uh, So Hunt Stand showed it was Weeha, and then I also had an Onyx app downloaded, and I pulled it up, and that said it wasn't. Right. So what it looks like is it was supposed to be Weeha, and then it got leased, you you thought maybe it got leased privately or something. Well, I have to imagine, because you had pings marked on Onyx. Mm -hmm. So at some point it was, Onyx had it as Weeha. Um and after the Weha map came out, it must have then got leased up privately. Yeah, and because they can didn't update. Yeah, because they can take it out at any point of the right. Weha. and so that was a bit of a setback. For that was sure. a buzzsaw. Yeah, because we were we didn't want to sit on Tyler and Matt because ultimately they we had that place marked where they were at, but they found it right, so right. we didn't want to barge in on them. But they were cool enough to be like, dude, there's tons of land here, come in. So, but we didn't want to be hunting the, all the same deer, so we decided to cross this river, which was a pain, and get to the other side. So we were hunting different ag, different fields, different sections of woods, and likely deer that they wouldn't have seen on that same day. Right, for sure. Like, they weren't going to call any of the deer we seen in. No. But then... Well, we didn't see any deer. But if yeah, we, it didn't but, matter. Yeah. Well, then... So we have the wee house set back day one. Day two almost ended up being even more frustrating. So remember, we set our stands day one on this property. Well, we thought there was a spot where the creek was dry, and it ended up being a secondary, like, dry creek bed that we just didn't realize kind of where we were at. We thought thought it was dammed up, and we were going to be able to cross this river. Uh, And we didn't look at it, which that's a mistake. We went back around and exited a different way. So we go to walk in that morning, and we go to that creek, and we're like, oh, it should be dry right here. Nope. 20, <laughs> 20 or 30 foot wide, five foot deep. We obviously don't have chest waders with us. Yeah. Uh, and we're both just pissed. We were not happy. 
We were furious. So we ended up just setting up for a couple hours on the ground. There was like a little oxbow where the creek curved yeah. around. And we were on the inlet where it was like some ag, some what, cut wheat, yep. I think, or something like and that. And then... Or uh, winter wheat. Yep. And we, so we set up there for a couple hours. And here's the most frustrating part was we decided like we need to get to the other side of this creek. We walked ten, straight... It was 10 o'clock. By yeah. 10 o'clock, we're like, okay... Let's get to the other side now. We're not we're not going to see anything here. We like hanging out together, but I want to be in my own stand that I hung that I yeah. scouted. <laughs> so we literally walk straight across this field, 60 yards. There's 50 yards across and about another 40 yards down and found an easy place to cross. Yeah, where there were some <laughs> fallen trees that kind of acted as a little mm-hmm. footbridge for us. And the water was a little bit lower there, yeah. And we were able to cross there. We would have never found that. No in the dark way, we would have found that this in was, the dark. This was probably 250 yards from where we thought we were going to cross that originally. Yep. And then Mike goes and sets in his tree stand. I move mine because when we set mine, it was like almost dark. And right as we were getting ready to leave, we noticed, hey, like I'm right next to this guy. Yep. So thankfully the guy's not in there. Well, I end up moving my stand and I found five, six scrapes like right in a line, like within 40 yards of each other. More sign in a closed area, small area than you've ever seen before. Yep. I've never seen anything quite that much. So I set up on it and I set up on a pokey tree. So hey guys, this is, we walked in what would have had to have been over a thousand yards. Yeah. Like we're talking, we're, we're walking in half to three quarters of a mile the very first day. Um, so we had a hike, we had a hike yeah. in there for sure. Um, so the other thing that we don't have in Michigan are, I don't know the, the actual name of these trees, <laughs> but I'm calling it a pokey tree. Uh, I don't think I have any pictures, but we should take some pictures uh, when we leave. This tree is, you know, it's probably, I, I don't know, you know, 16 inches around maybe. Mm-hmm. But there are like little, th- not little thorns. They're, no, they're like giant, an like inch to three needle inch sharp. thorns that are all over the main, not just on the branches, like on the main trunk of the tree. <laughs> and they, you walk by that and don't see it. And like my hand, I hit one today and it is still itching and hurting in my palm <laughs> from when we went out there. Yeah. So I hung a tree stand in this. It was not the most fun I've ever had. My hands were all cut up, but it was the only tree I could put. It was the only place I could put my stand in, so I was like, screw it. I only put it like 12 foot off the ground and then sat there for a day, a full day, probably day and a half, and didn't see a deer. Well, and I'm 500 yards away in what looked like an awesome spot. I mean, I had so much cover. I was right where yeah. I needed to be. There was so much There's deer There's a fresh sign. scrape at the base of your tree. And, there was, and it had rained the day before, and since then there was fresh tracks, so I knew they were there. And I sat there for two full days and another half day. I literally had from, like, what do we get out there? It gets light at 7.30 a.m., gets to, was getting dark at, like, 6.30 p.m. So I'm sitting there two full days for 11-plus hours, another half day, and then moved it further away into a little pocket with some grass that also had so much sign um, and didn't see anything again. Yeah. We're now into day five or six and have not seen a deer in Kansas while hunting at all while seeing more sign than either of us ever seen in our lives yeah but now meanwhile matt and tyler were actually having polar opposite luck 
Yeah. Because they were seeing deer. Matt seen this day two or three. Matt sees a one forty inch eight. Yeah. He just he gets it to forty yards, just can't get a shot. And then Tyler one day has a hundred and twenty inch deer at twenty yards and chooses not to shoot it, which would have been his biggest deer. Well, that would have been that would have been what set that would have been day seven because he was within three days of leaving, and um, he's regretting that one now. I think that would have been a good that would have yeah. been his biggest deer, yep. and um, he had a great broadside shot that he could have taken on it. But it was yep. dark. It was in his defense, it was a little bit dark. He couldn't make it out completely. Yeah, we'd always rather not take a shot than not be confident you can make a shot for sure so um so day two again we see nothing day three i'm my frustration level is rising um so we weren't expecting to kill a deer by day three but when we, you can see a thousand yards also across an open field yeah. with 12 by 50 binos <laughs> you're expecting to see some deer moving at a distance mm-hmm because it's nothing for us to hunt in Michigan at my property in Corona and see 20 or 30 does at least. Yeah, for sure. So then it was middle of day three, I believe. I move again, and I walk up on – so the wind switched, and this is why I moved. It wasn't because I necessarily wasn't seeing deer because I planned on sitting there, but I knew the wind was going to switch. So I just – all morning – I just monitored the wind, and the moment the wind switched to where I thought these deer were bedding, I pulled my stuff, moved around, got set up, and then about an hour into that spot, I finally seen a deer in Kansas, and I was yeah. ecstatic. Like, I've never been so happy to see a deer uh, ever. Unfortunately, well, it yeah, was... Yeah, tell us about this deer, though. Yeah, so unfortunately, I don't know if this deer got hit by a car or what, but... It was like a, a fawn, but it, its back leg was all messed up. Well, I almost shot it. You considered like putting it out of its misery and harvesting the animal. <laughs> yeah, because so I do have a doe tag down here, so it's not like I was gonna like waste my tag or anything. So, but it it came within ten yards. It just never walked out and kind of gave me a shot because I what we I had texted the group and was like, "What do you guys think about you know should I shoot this or not?" And you guys were like, "But then again, we were day." three or four and we well, wanted to also have to understand this property when it starts to get dark we heard no less than 50 coyotes from all around howling yeah so if we didn't take that deer didn't get a shot on it it likely wasn't going to make it because it wasn't moving quick and the coyote density is just massive insane there. well tyler ended up seeing it on the last day they were here okay remember uh he walked up on it and he he couldn't get a shot at it but uh i don't know yeah, so I was going to shoot the deer because I don't know what happened to it, but I knew it was messed up. It was limping pretty good. So pain. so I'm optimistic now. New spot. The deer came from the bedding area that I thought it was going to be in. And uh, all right, you know, like, here we go. And then sat there the rest of the day, and you didn't see anything, and we were like, I'm done here. We're, we need. Well, so at that same, t same time, I had moved my stand another 700 yards away. Yeah. Again, partially for the wind, but also I just wanted to see a different part of the field, a different part of bedding. Um, it was a great stand, good spot. I could see some open grassy area that was gave it some cover from the wind. Uh, and my wind was blowing right into the river, which is where I wanted it to blow into. Yeah, because, because that's of not the... where the deer were going to come from. Yeah. Uh, and I think I hear a deer behind me. So I sit and sit until like I can no longer see my pins, right? And I go to climb down, and I look at my map. And I had a 1.1 mile walk <laughs> with my Onyx stand. Well, not Onyx. Sorry, my um, XOP. XOP stand, which is light, 
But again, I got a stand, four sticks, and a backpack. And it was like I brought a lot of clothes that day because I thought when I might get a little bit cold. And I had to walk carrying it. And that pack, it never felt so heavy. And the strap had broken earlier that yeah. day. Um, and so I have to drop across this creek. And I found a, like a f- little footbridge that I could cross. But I get to the other side. And I mean, it's a straight up incline. And I s- got up almost to the top and slid back down three times. <laughs> By the time I get back to the truck, after crossing two creek beds, a large deep bowl, two fences, and a couple different types of ag field. One was like a cut wheat. One was a winter wheat. And then another cut wheat field. I was done. I was mm-hmm. exhausted. I was mentally over it. And I was just so frustrated. Because we're at day five. Or maybe even six. And it, it's, at this point, I'll be honest, a lot of this kind of blurs together. But we were... We'd spent 50 hours in the woods. And yes. I had not seen a deer. He hadn't seen a deer. And all I'd seen was an injured fawn. So we had talked and we... We're, we're moving is pretty much irrelevant to the fact like we were done with that property. Not yeah. that because Matt and Tyler were still seeing deer, but they weren't getting within range. Yeah, and they and um, I don't. It seems like their wind was probably blowing out into that field at that time. Yep. Because it was at our face going to the river. It was probably going to the field. So that's why the yeah. deer weren't getting close for them. Probably. So we decide to move, and where the place we were moving. So I have a buddy of mine. He has hunted Kansas, and uh, he's actually the guy I bought my beagle from, uh, his dad anyways. And he, they had told us about a piece of Weeha that we hadn't checked out yet. and we were, it was like an hour away. Yep. So we said, screw it. Like, tomorrow morning, we'll sleep in a little bit. We'll get out there about 8 o'clock and hope no one's out there. And then if they're not, like, we'll go in and kind of... Get our, speed get our stands hung and try to be try to be sitting by ten ten thirty. Yep, and yeah. so we ran out there. Um, tons of good bedding. The bedding here was way better than. Oh the, yeah. I mean, it was light years better. It still had that those ridiculous creeks. This is a cool property because there mm-hmm. was a big river that went through that actually had a lot of water in it. Yeah. But going up to this river, there were three different like secondary river like creek bottoms, dried out creek bottoms, that were travel corridors that all yep. came together and merged into one area. And it was like an amazing pinch point of multiple travel corridors, good deep cover. There actually ended up being those berries and stuff that were on there. Yeah. And then the water source with a lot of bedding around it. And it created these like sections of independent woods. And we had kicked up two does, but as far as sign, it wasn't loaded. Like no. we've seen tracks, but there wasn't, we seen one rub. We didn't see any scrapes. No scrapes. I but found there wasn't one, a lot of overhanging trees. Yeah, I think I either. found one scrape a couple days later. On the other side of the river, yeah. Yeah, and so then uh, Mike gets set up. My scouting wasn't even scouting. I literally went to a tree that they told me to go to, and that's <laughs> yeah. where I went to. And, and the wind was going to be good, and it was the only, yeah. it was really the only kill tree in the area. And kill tree meaning, like, it's the only tree that we could have put a stand in that was within that, like, three-acre section. Yeah, and the problem was was we couldn't cross the creek at the time because no. the only – so, like, there was easy access into the other side of the creek, but you had to cross 100 yards of private, and – Finding these landowners is just impossible. Yeah, it's not like Michigan guys. We're like, oh, just walk up to the house. There, we talk about knocking on doors, and I said, Minkus, that'd be great if there were doors to knock on. <laughs> yeah. So we're trying to find property info on HuntStand or Onyx or whatever we're looking at, and it gives us a number, and all these numbers are disconnected. Yeah. And there's no addresses, and some of these people live in Oklahoma and Texas and Virginia, New Jersey, Virginia. Yeah. 
Uh, it's just this farmland that they own that has cattle on it. Yeah, either cattle or crops. Some of them even have oil. Like the yeah. Um, I didn't expect that. It has like the little oil well things. Yeah, the pumps. Yep. Yeah, the drills. Um, so we didn't want to cross on this property without permissions. So we said, you know what, we'll just stay on this side. And uh, did I see that? Did I see that buck the first night? So we sat from ten o'clock. I didn't see anything. So this is this has to be with day five or six. I think it's after that. I think this is day. This is November seventh. So it's our sixth day of hunting. Fifth yeah. day of hunting. Yeah, because yeah, we yeah. first day of hunting was the second. And Mike has still not seen a deer. And, and we've now hunted. I've had my stand in one, two, three, four. This is my fifth stand location. Yeah. And third property. So we don't see anything all day, all day. And um, all of a sudden, I get a text from Mike. And he says, Big there's, buck. there's a giant 250 yards away. And he doesn't say anything for like the next five minutes. And then I get the awful text uh, I just missed. So this, uh, so I'm sitting in this tree, and I'm a little bit down in this river bottom. So I had to use four sticks and an aider to get up high enough. But I'm still actually probably only 10 feet up from where the deer is in the in the ag. And this is uh, cut wheat field, right? Um, so he comes out a couple hundred yards away, and I see him walking uh, like perpendicular to me. And then he follows this creek around. And again, he's got two options. He's either going to follow this tree line of this river and come right in front of me into where we thought they were going to be bedding, like the, where we thought the deer were going to go. The wind's perfect. Or the only way I don't see him, because this river drops off like 20 feet straight down, like a steep yeah. rock face, and, uh, or he has to double back. He's coming. I lose him for a little bit as he goes under a little oxbow by the river, comes back out. He's coming. He's coming. And at this point, he's moving. And I will tell you, this is the biggest deer I've ever seen. <laughs> and not just the rack. I see this deer 250 yards away, and it could have, it might as well have been a moose because it made these, it made that CRP and those trees dwarfed. And he gets up there, and this has got to be at least a four and a half, five and a half year old deer, and it's all of 150. Yeah, I'll it's save all of 150. my it's story wide, for this deer tall. for the next podcast. But um, I seen this deer in person, and it's it's big. Yeah. The deer's big. It's it is just massive. So um he comes up, gets to fifty yards, and he's moving, right? Yeah. Um and I'm a left handed shot, so he came I had I had to adjust a little bit to get there and I am shaking. I mean I'm shaking like a bobblehead. <laughs> I, mean, I am just uh I've never I've killed some some bucks, but not anything big. Like nothing that I would not that I would actually get a shoulder mount on, like nothing huge. Um so not only is this the biggest buck I've ever seen and I had a shot at. But this is the first deer that I've now seen in six days. I haven't even pulled up my bow to look to see what's going on, right? Um, so I would have been that excited to see a fawn or, yeah. or any doe. And this dude comes up, and I was like, you got to be shitting me. And he goes to 50 yards, and I swear, you were asking me specifics. I think I blacked out. Like, So I um, – so I take a shot at what I thought was 50 yards. I tried to range it where I thought he was going to go, and he kept moving. And this was my last shot. Um, so I put the sight on it, I let it fly, and I, I don't remember. All I remember, I didn't hear a thump where it hit the deer, but I heard a <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. I just missed completely. I shot high. 
Um, and I either want to hit good or I want to miss good, right? I don't yeah. want to uh, do anything else. So I end up um, missing this deer. Can't find the arrow because it goes over his back. And, that, and right after creek. that, it, dro- it drops down yeah. 20, 30 feet. And this, this is a bit of a gut punch, right? Because, I mean, in your mind, you're thinking, I just went five days without seeing a deer like and i just blew this is gonna this. be my only chance yeah. the whole time i'm here and i yep. just missed this so i handled it uh, i was actually less upset because i was like i was just laughing about it almost like i couldn't even yeah so this is kind of where we'll get into a little bit of that emotional support that we talked about so one thing i will say that made this trip bearable because as you can see we're into november 7th we are struggle bosses yes and so mike finally gets a shot and he misses right so i tried to you know i mean we laughed about it a little bit but like i mean i don't know your opinion i tried to be a little bit positive for you like hey man like shit happens you know i i finally felt like i was in the game yeah like i wasn't sitting on the sideline anymore i was in the game so you know but i would say mike was there to help me more because the next day it heated up like as far as weather wise it got to like 80 degrees yeah and so in in early november in the midwest it was 80 degrees yep and so i ended up uh so i sat all day the day mike shot his deer i sat all day the next day too didn't i yeah Mm -hmm. and then the next day i said if i don't see anything i'm moving that's when it got to 80 degrees and I get down and we hunted the morning. Got down at like yep. ten o'clock, I think, right? Ten thirty. And I'm I'm frustrated because now at this point we're into day. This had to been eight or nine, the eighth or the ninth. Yeah. And uh, all I've seen is this fawn. Everyone has seen big. In fact, Tyler at this point had seen another big buck that he couldn't get a shot at. Matt's still seeing deer. I'm just seeing nothing, and I'm like, and you're and you're the person you're hunting the wind. You're what you're yeah. supposed to. You're moving the stand. It was just weird. Why? Why? I mean, why do you think we were there? You and I talked a lot about this in the car on the drive. We hunted seven days and didn't see anything. What do you think was going on here in Kansas that caused us not to see deer for that long? Because this, ideally, in our mind, this is like. When these deer should be up, they should be they should be fighting, they should be moving, they should be pushing yeah. some does, bumping does. Like this was supposed to be prime time. So I think based on the sign, these deer were definitely nocturnal. Like nothing was moving during the day. So I don't know if they were not like really rutting yet. And we talked about them being locked down. Because people said there was a lot of deer movement the last week of October when it got cold. Yeah. Because there's a cold front that hit like the 30th, 31st, and November 1st. Yep. So I'm not sure if – I think it was a combination of weather. Where we were at, I don't think it was pressure. But no. um, I think weather um, – I don't. I'm not. I'm I still. I think there was some early does in estrus. Yeah, in lockdown. And, and there was a few of these bucks locked down. Yep. Because, um, that day that I was, I was ready to, I was ready to be done. The day was getting really hot, and uh, I pulled my stand, and I moved to another spot across the river. We had well, to... previous to that, I had was going to stay on that side oh, of the river, fair. and I got, I literally had my sticks, three sticks up in a tree. And mentally was done. Like, it's 80 degrees. I haven't seen any deer. I didn't really have a ton of confidence in where I was hanging the stand. And I was done. So I was like, I, I, I 
just grab my stand and met you. And, and this is the night after I saw that. Yeah, and, and met you. And um, this is where I couldn't have done. Like, if it, this was me alone in Kansas, I would have drove home. Um, together, though, and this is really where what made the trip, you know. So I got in the truck, and, you, you know, you were like, you know, you seem a little frustrated. I was like, no, I'm very frustrated. <laughs> um, and um, in order to get across the creek, I had to walk through all that bedding area. So it was not ideal for you. No, you were walking through the bedding area yep. where I was expecting deer to come from. Um, to get across. That's the only place you could yep. cross this creek. On I say creek. This is a river. Yeah. Only place to cross this river on this like 180-acre property. Yep. And so – but you were like – you could tell I was frustrated, but you literally were just like, hey, man, like, don't worry about it. We, we still got time. Like, we got a cold front coming, Done. you know, and then. Uh, we got a cold front. We got a week. <clears throat> These deer can't yep. stay locked down or nocturnal for that long. And like, then you were like, just uh, let's go find a place to cross the creek. And so. Yeah, so I, I didn't hunt that evening, and I got out of my stand so you and I could go find a place to cross the creek and figure it out. And we did cross the creek, and it was a pain. It was not the most fun I've ever had. But we, we had got to get a bunch of, dead, bunch of dead trees and kind of create our own little footpath. Yep. And we, so we got across the creek, got the tree stand set up. and well, you uh, got across the creek. I ended up not wearing the right boots to get across the creek. So oh, yeah. I stayed you stayed there. there. Yep. And our plan was actually to hunt that night. But um, I was pretty tore up. I mean, I was still pretty frustrated. Found and a good spot. 80. It was like 80 degrees. Like I, when we got back to the car after you hung your stand, it was 82 degrees. Yeah. And so we actually took the night off and recharged a little bit. This was really, I think, a big turning point in our trip. So went, one went and, went and got dinner in town. The yep. only place in town. But we went and got dinner at the yeah. uh, sports bar. Um, played some cards with Matt and Tyler, you know, um, just kind of recharged and uh, we'll touch a little bit on this as far as the emotional support because so far, like I said, we're day seven, eight. I don't, I don't know how many days in, and we're we're just not. What our expectations were weren't to see deer every day, but at this point, we are putting a ton of work in on a ton of sign, and we're not it seeing. It just didn't make sense. It didn't make any sense. It was confusing. It, we we were wondering: Is this been pressured a lot before we got here? Because mm -hmm. we don't know what it's been hunted before. Are these deer locked on with does? Is it the weather? Or what are what are we doing wrong? Maybe we're not very good. Maybe maybe yeah. we don't know what the yeah, hell we're doing. Maybe we have no idea what we're doing. And, and we are the bounce ideas off each other and we're like, okay, yeah. like bounce ideas off each other, pick each other up, like that's the real thing that kept this trip on on target, I guess mm -hmm. you could say. Because when what I mean, at one point or another, one of us was really far down and the other one was like, Hey, like don't worry about it, like we'll 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 figure something out. Like what about this? What about this? What about this? And immediately, you know, all right, you know, we're good. And uh, as far as our days of hunting, we're going to stop at that moment. Cause do, I, we, do we want to talk about the uh, the first decoy experience with those small yes, bucks? Yes, we will get into that. Okay. I'm saying as far as – so I'm not sure what day it is. this is when it heats up. And we're yes. going to save that for when we're back in um, Michigan with Joe. So uh, let's let me check my text because I have a bunch of them, and we'll go as far as day uh, – day seven or eight i think as far as when uh when we're gonna stop yeah, here uh we stop on november 8th because november 9th is when things start getting crazy yeah the evening of november 8th is when i um my stand was already hung and yep, i decided it was monday the 8th when neither one of us has ever hunted with a decoy 
Yes. So what happened was Mike misses the deer the one night, and he had brought a decoy, and we were like, let's use it. So you went out that morning. Was it the next morning you put the decoy out? Yep. Because the wind knocked it over. Yeah. So that okay, we have to talk about the weather after we get done with this. So he because we left our stands hung, Mike took in this decoy that morning, wasn't it? The next morning. Yeah, neither of us had ever hunted a decoy, but in a lot mm. of the research, um, again, these are vast open fields. Yeah. Um, so we were like, okay, um, you and I both uh, a little bit different than Joe in that we're going to normally like do a little bit of blind calling and blind rattling uh, <laughs> to try to draw some deer in. But we've both seen this experience where in an open field like that, if you call, a deer might come out and look around. But if it doesn't see something, it's it not going to come. It won't come it in. It won't so come. For, yep. So for the hunters that haven't used a decoy, our intent was when you're, the decoy strategy and a lot of the research that I've done and watching other videos, you put this decoy 20, 25 yards out in front of you facing directly at you because you know the deer is going to circle around and come up to try to face it from the front, and then it should give you a broadside shot. But this is all like this is all theoretical at this point for us, yeah. right? We're just watching videos and, and watching some of these other big groups that have used decoys and doing some research. And um, it was crazy. So um, I'll let you describe it first because I, I, I had these two bucks come in. I saw this little six-point, year-and-a-half six-point. might have even been like a little five, but it was small little baskets, and it was coming at me, and then it goes into this little patch, and then it brings out a spike with it. So that was the odd part because – at this point, so in Michigan, those two deer don't hang out. They're yeah. not together. At, like in, these two are like bro and hog. <laughs> yeah. Like they're grooming each other. They're hanging out. They're yeah. feeding together. Like they are uh, – they got a wingman and they're going to the bar. Yeah. Like they are They are just chilling. But so Mike sends us the video. So he sent us a text, hey, like I see these deer. You know, we're, we're not down here to shoot that. He, he's not, he's not going to shoot those. So we started getting videos, and the first thing I, I noticed – I recorded a two-minute video. Yeah, the first thing you notice are these little year-and-a-half-year-old 30-inch bucks are posturing We say up. little, little antlers, but the bodies on Bodies these, are huge. Like, I mean, these deer are still thick. Yeah, I, I, it, I don't know how to explain a Kansas body. So when we uh, – We'll have to post some pictures, and you guys will see, like, the bodies on these deer are it, – it's bigger. It, they're bigger these, than – The bodies on this deer have to be 30% larger than the body size, the same age class deer that we're used to in Michigan. For sure. I would say I would say a uh, year-and-a-half-year-old deer in Michigan, buck-wise, weighs 110, 120 pounds. I'll guarantee you the year-and-a-half-year-old bucks dressed here weighed at least 130. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so talk about this video that I sent so you because I, I lived it, right? You yeah, got to see the video. yeah. So he sends us the videos, and it's it's just this this deer comes out and it starts posturing up like it. You can see the hair raise up, its ears lays laid back, and it's it comes out of the field. Yeah, and it goes like kind of all stiff legged. Like it's I started gonna, recording probably seventy yards out, so we're watching these two small bucks walk in from seventy yards directly behind the decoy so to the posterior side of this decoy yeah and they they posture up like they're gonna fight it now let me describe the decoy the decoy <laughs> is a large decoy with about 120 inch rack. It, it looks like it's a three and a half year old deer yeah. with 120 inch rack and these deer these year and a half year old deer were acting like they were gonna come out and fight it like they're together yeah together they both they both postured up but they didn't they wouldn't posture up to each other right they were only doing it to this deer and then 
you kind of mess with him a little bit, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and he, he has video. They literally go all the way up to the decoy, smells the decoy, jump like she, five foot back, and then postures up again. Like, I was like, what in the world? I've never seen a decoy work, right? Because in Michigan, there's so many does compared to the bucks that they just, I mean, I'm not saying they don't fight because I 100% have seen it and I know they do, but they're no, I promise you, they are nowhere near as aggressive as these Kansas bucks. Not even close. Right. So it jumps back and then it comes back to the front. It circles around. If that would have been a good buck, I could have, I could have busted both of them all day Mm -hmm. long. Right. Um, and then they go about 30 yards back towards the road, and there's a little grass area they start feeding. And that's to my back. So I, I get out my grunt tube, and um, you and I have the same, the same call that we yep. both had made. Uh, and I let off a couple small grunts, right? And they come back out to the field, and they run back <laughs> over to the deer. And, yeah. and again, this deer's not moving. You can tell they're a little like – unsure they're, they're a little weirded out that this deer is not moving and it's not a <laughs> yeah. turning towards them but they're still coming up to it so i could have shot them again they go back over there and i kept grunting at them and they kept they hung out like the rest of the night they hung out that night and then uh finally walked back across and laid back down by that pine tree but then the next morning they came out again one of them the six point yeah. came out again um and that's where we'll stop the hunting because then uh, we're going to save the next part for uh, back in Michigan. Yeah, because that's well, everything does about a complete 180 at this point. Yeah. Um, but the let's just talk about Kansas, the state. So we've talked about the landscape. So we don't I, want to offend any people that live in Kansas. I, I'm not going to offend anyone. We'll, but I'm we'll telling note you, that like I'm sure not all of Kansas is like this. There's Kansas City. There's Wichita. There's yeah. Some nice places. I'm, sure I'm just saying where we were at. I, I, the town atmosphere, actually, I liked. Yeah. I loved the town atmosphere. Everybody yeah. knew everything. The only thing that was odd was, like, when we walked in, people knew we were not from around here. Oh, yeah. Like, you got Well, people, especially when you asked to watch the Michigan game. That was actually really funny. <laughs> so I asked a guy. It was a Saturday, and I said, hey, can – like, they didn't have anything on the TV. I said, hey, can you turn the Michigan game on? This guy was like, fuck Michigan. <laughs> so, he was joking around. Though. Yeah, joking so, around. yeah, they were really cool. He ended up actually going over, fixing the TV, and uh, and this was just a local. This wasn't like someone who worked at the bar. The atmosphere, I thought, was phenomenal. Yeah, we but, walked in. The third time we went to this place to eat, they're like, hey, did you, you know, how did this go? You told us this, and they remembered us. Yep. And to give you an idea of this small town, we were asking questions about how to find a property owner. And the guy goes, well, it's Tuesday. The game warden usually comes in on Tuesdays for lunch. So if you guys hang around a little bit, he'll probably be here. Yeah. And he went into his office and called the game warden for us. We didn't have yeah. to get a hold of him. Uh, but that's the kind of town we're sitting in here. Yeah. So um, the atmosphere was great. But I'll tell you, this is not a top 10 destination to move to. No. No, it is not. <laughs> there's not much here. Like – it's a, an, a gas station. It's an old town. It's a gas station. We did all of our shopping at the Dollar General. Yeah, you like there's nothing. The closest Walmart, the closest store. 40 minutes. Yeah, like it's insane. I had to drive. Uh, well, I guess we'll save this, but uh, there is a success at the end of this. The closest deer processor to get a deer done is two hours away <laughs> one way. Yes, it's insane. So... Um, the sunsets, though, were incredible. We got some pictures of that, too, that we'll have to release later. Yeah. Sunsets were incredible. But the weirdest part is, like, in Michigan, if it's windy, it's windy in the morning. It's windy throughout the day. And then it's windy in the evening. In Kansas, it's dead calm 
first two, three hours in the morning. Till about nine o'clock. Then windy all day until yeah. like the last hour. Like, and then it just goes away. Like super windy. Yeah. Yeah. And then temperature, 30 degrees in the morning, upwards to 50 or 60 in the afternoon. Sometimes almost 80. Yeah. Yeah. And then gets down to around 40 before it gets dark out. Yeah. That was part of the problem. I think like packing stuff in so far, I had to bring stuff to freeze my tail off in the morning, had mm-hmm. to shed it midday because it got so warm, and then had to try to pack it back to walk out again. Yeah. Yep. Uh it was different. I mean, some lessons learned. So I'll tell you, the biggest lesson learned is if you're going to do a trip like this, you can handle expectations all you want. But until you physically get there, like you're, it's going to be hard to understand. And you have got to have somebody with you. Because when it's good, it's easy, right? But it wasn't always good for us. I'll tell you that much. You, we, you've got to bring people that are positive people to hunt with and that can help bring you up because if, if – And that compliments you. There were times that from a strategic standpoint, we were like, what, what's going on here? Like what are yep. we missing? Yeah. And we just were able to talk out loud and we're like, okay, it can't be this. It could be that. And we were able – and you hear other people talk about that. You mm-hmm. know, different groups and different podcasts of saying you got to have that person – that um, can pick you up, that can bring you back down, and and that you can just bounce some stuff off of. And and things that I do well versus that you do well complement each other that allowed us to eventually have a pretty successful trip. For sure. And, I mean, there were definitely – there were times – so, like, the day it was 80 degrees out, I hadn't checked my phone. I was hanging in my stand. But I remember on the way back up – No, you left your phone in the truck. Yeah. You didn't even have your phone. You know, I remember on my way back up, I was like, man – I think I'm just going to talk to Mike about not hunting tonight. And I get up to the truck, and I was like, hey, what about not hunting tonight? And he was like, yeah. And I looked at my phone, and he had already texted Matt and Tyler. And I was so like, let's, let's, yeah. It's 80 degrees. We're not going to see <laughs> yeah. anything. Let's just like regroup. Yeah. Let's recap. So, let's, get ready for the, let's get ready to rally. Yeah, we worked really well together. Um, the other thing was just like a little bit of patience. So Mental stamina. Mental stamina, but I think we kind of like – we gave up on our day one spot a little quicker than we should have. Oh, yeah. So if you're used to hunting Michigan and you go – and I'll say this was the same thing for Ohio. We get spoiled by the amount of deer we see. The density per acre is yeah. like so different. Um, so when you go out to Kansas or Ohio or really any state, I it's not going to be Michigan. You're not going to see 20, 30 deer a night. So be patient. Now, we learned a lot. Like, why are these deer moving this? Because when we got there, these deer move a lot different than Michigan. Like, you could see a deer in five miles away one day, and it could be in your section the next day because there's just – That's the next passo- patch of woods that you yeah, come across. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just it, – it was a huge learning curve of why do these deer move the way they do – or not move right, way. but like then we to. like the other thing, you know, we the creek bottoms. The day was hot; it was like ten degrees cooler yeah. down those creek bottoms. So we knew if these deer are going to move, they're going to move down there because it was so much cooler down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then bedding was different, um, 
in Michigan, the food was different, you know. So, like, we were sitting over a cut wheat field. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. In Michigan, if I have a piece of property that has a cut wheat field or any other crop, I'm going to the other crop. I'm not sitting over a cut wheat field. But here. That's what we both saw. Yeah. All of our action later in the story. Yeah. And these deer didn't seem to mind. Like, they, there was a lot of deer on cut wheat fields. We thought the win, the, the only thing green in the entire area, because Milo was getting cut, was yeah. the winter wheat. And we expected that to be, like, just, like, hammered. Matt and Tyler had what I thought to be better food sources. They had that, like, yep. green hay or whatever it was on their field. And they seen deer, but it wasn't like they were seeing an astronomical amount. Right. Um they did run into more pressure than we did. Poor Tyler had some guy riding his horse out in this Weeha. Which is illegal, by the way. You're not <laughs> supposed to go horseback riding in Weeha. We looked it up. He was not thrilled about that. And so, like, I mean, a big lesson learned is just, just be patient. Um, As I think about the lessons learned in the first six days of this hunt or seven days, I think about managing expectations early on. Yeah. I think about doing as much work ahead of time to get yourself ready. I think about being patient and not jumping from property too soon. Cause you're right. We should have sat those properties longer. And then I think we stayed too long at the property that Matt and Tyler hunted. Yep. Meant. And, and I'm not saying from hunting or success rates, we mentally stayed too long because by the time we left, we were so over it. We were both like, this is ridiculous. Like we and should have left so much we got pressure so there. Like that is that last day was the least amount of fun I've ever had. Because I was so frustrated. It was so windy. I'm sitting there. I'm miserable. And I'm just not seeing deer. And I feel like I should. We we should have done that. Well, the other thing, too, I think, is uh, you got to set somewhere where you have confidence. Right? So when we went to that property where you missed the big buck, it was a renewed confidence for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, It just th- felt like better habitat. Yep. And then when I moved across the creek... It was a renewed confidence for me immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's just uh, if you don't, if you, unless there's a ton of deer sign, which I was, is going to raise your confidence, if you just go somewhere and you're just not feeling it, I guess, you, you don't have a ton of confidence, my advice would be look somewhere else because I think that it's going to increase how frustrated you get at a much yep. quicker pace. The other thing that um, I think is hard for it's hard for me when I go back to Michigan because I live in North Carolina. I have a limited amount of time to hunt, and I've always followed the well. You can't kill it from the couch, right? Yeah. And there were a couple times, and I think this is what changed our trips. We said, "Look, we're here long enough. We don't have to hunt every day. The conditions aren't great. It's going to be really hot. We're not seeing stuff. Mentally, we need to take a little bit of a break." Yep. And we and and to you don't have to hunt every morning, every night. You don't got to do all day sits. To manage your own like physical and mental stamina to get you through this thing. This is the most mentally tough trip I've been on. Like because of it's also the, twice as long as a lot of the trips you've done. Too. Right, for sure. But like you know, I don't think that people spend a ton of time thinking about the mental part. We we think about strategies. We think about how deer move, but like. The mental part of this trip was a huge learning experience for me that I never really experienced before. Even on my trip to Ohio, like, I didn't necessarily experience success every time I went there. But, like, 
This trip has some of my lowest lows. Yeah. And has some of my highest highs. No doubt. This trip is, and we'll talk about this on the next episode, but I, I will guarantee you this was, for me, this is a bucket list item. This whole trip to come out here. So when we got to day November 8th, I was like, why was this a bucket list item yeah, for me? This is stupid. <laughs> this is the so worst. dumb. Because um, my brother is hunting our, that my, the property in Corona that I own that you and I both hunt. Yeah, and he's, and he's sending us pictures of bucks and does <laughs> and seeing 20 deer a night hunting in the stands that you and I just rehung this year. Yeah. Um, checking cameras that you and I have been putting out. And we're like, we could have we stayed back in Michigan. Yeah. Now, uh, I will tell you, we are already planning our trip for next year to come back to Kansas. Yeah, so, so um, I, I will say, and I'll say it on, the, on episode two, this trip was a trip of a lifetime. It was not what I expected, but everything you could hope for. When you have the story, because you guys are going to listen to this. It's polarizing. Yes, you guys are going to listen to this episode, and Joe's already put, a bit of a teaser pick on right. Instagram. So people kind of know what's coming, I think, in episode two. And I say know what's coming. I promise you, you, you guys have, have no, no idea. clue what's coming. If you, if you are my Facebook friend, you probably have a little bit better idea. But I promise it's... it's we probably should have held that back a little bit. It's but you right. can't. Yeah, you can't. no. It's, 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 once you hear the story, it'll be different. Um, it's like something you only see in these like movies, videos of these huge hunting groups, and we just lived it. It was something we talked about, I would say dreamt about, yeah, and it happened. Uh, it, yeah, we, I don't know if we can give much more. No, yes, we're gonna give it up. Here. But I am telling you, the trip. It, it might sound pretty bleak in episode one. But I promise you, you need to turn in. So episode two will have Joe on it. Joe yeah, has we'll, a little we'll, bit of the we'll story. We'll record it in like a week and a half, I think. Yeah, Joe Joe didn't want to hear a bunch of the story. Joe got a quick clip he, he wants to be surprised on the podcast, yeah. yeah. Um, so like uh, episode two, there's going to be it, – it's, it, it's, it's going to be awesome. You guys get to – we'll wrap up the rest of our Kansas trip uh, with some – incredible stories um but episode one we just kind of wanted to give you a little bit of the struggles like it's not what you think on tv like you're not going to come out hunt public land and just walk up on a big deer it just it's not how it works like uh we worked our ass off oh yeah we we i've never worked so hard for anything hunting wise in my life and tens, twenties, hundreds of hours at my property doing food plots in the middle of the summer. Yep. And none of that. Compares Build, building to box blinds, moving stands, um, you know, habitat management, and it doesn't even come close to the work we put in this past ten days. Yep. Nothing close. So I mean it's just uh it was everything I could have hoped for and I can't wait to share episode two with everyone. Um Mike will be back up so he's going to come up to Michigan. Uh, he's got like a business trip. He's going to stop in for a little while. And uh, I strategically placed a business trip so I could also <laughs> uh, hunt my property during gun season. So I'll be up there um, well, about, about a week after opening day of gun season. Yep. 
and uh, we're going to get together and we're going to do episode two. So stay tuned. Um, we're going to probably, at least my plan is we're going to advertise episode two quite a bit because I talked about it so much pre-Kansas. And then uh, the story that goes with this is insane. Um, and so I, it's just going to be, I think, uh, if you guys even a little bit like this one, I promise you're going to like episode two. Well, hopefully when I'm up there in Michigan, too, because I've never met Joe in person. Um, you and I have talked about this Alaskan moose hunt. You and Joe have talked <laughs> yeah. about it. So we're going to finish the Kansas trip, but then hopefully we can talk more about like planning this, getting it done, and actually making this thing happen. Because yeah. that will be a story for the ages. Yeah, if we're able to get – that would be a couple years out. But if we're able to get that set up, that would be a wild trip, too. But – we're going to try to convince Joe to get in on this Kansas trip with us next year. Yep. So, but uh, stay tuned, guys, and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. There will be a podcast in between this and episode two. Um, I don't know the details on what we'll really talk about. It'll probably be more on the gun opener. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, stay tuned because I promise you episode two is going to be phenomenal maybe i should hide my facebook post for when this comes out maybe maybe yeah i appreciate having me on it's uh it's been really cool telling a story and sharing that but um hopefully i get a chance to talk to you guys soon and um we'll let you have a good night yeah all right have a good one guys